0: Right. We're live, and uh, I'm excited to have Aaron Gibbs, the Marketing Director for Plant Mix Asphalt Industry of Kentucky with me. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So I, I'm trying to remember, um, I know Brian and Brett are kind of related, I think, a little bit, right? Is that is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that they are cousins or yeah. there is some relation there, which is how we got connected with Goodson in the first place.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember actually, um, so... A lot of people have listened to episodes, maybe are familiar with us, like you know, kind of know how Brett joined the company. And I think, um, you know, once he joined, there were a few people that he had connections with that kind of reached out and gave us an opportunity. And I, and I think you guys were one of them. Now, um, how long have you been with? Pa- and it's Packy is kind of what you guys go by, Packy. right?
1: Yeah, we yeah. yeah the abbreviation. Yeah, we just call it Packy for short. But I started in December of twenty. 20- 18 so it's been three full years now um, and when I started we we had used various groups and people in the past but we didn't have kind of a dedicated vendor like you all that that knows our group and is specialized kind of to help our group and is more familiar we we used online sources and different things in the past and um, sometimes yeah. they were a success and sometimes they were bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's, and I'm looking forward to getting into a little bit more of that. And I shared with you initially, like, you know, just how much we appreciate, you know, customers we know, I mean, you just alluded to it and and look, it's the way it is in a lot of industries, but there's a lot of places people can go for things. And so, you know, a big thing we talk about internally here is just trying to always be really aware of how lucky we are to have customers. I mean, you know, I don't mean to sound melodramatic or anything, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of choices. And so people choose to do business with us. We appreciate right. it. We work hard to, you know, to keep them. So, um, all right. So. I, I sent you the questions up front. Typically what we do is I want to, I want to learn about you uh, personally and just some of your history. I was actually reading um, your bio on the website and I was like, she has a bachelor's in dance. That's interesting. So I was like, yes. you know, <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I definitely, definitely want to talk about that. But, um, and then yeah. we'll talk about the company and then kind of wrap up talking a little bit about how you go about, you know, building the brand for, for Packy and the things that you do and how you, how we kind of fit in. So, I mean, Just, if you would, just go ahead and tell me a little bit about your story. Tell me, you know, a little bit about where you grew up, school, family, just whatever to help us start to get to know you a little bit.
1: I'm originally from Eastern Kentucky um, and we moved to Central Kentucky. I guess I was older, but still in elementary school, fourth, fifth grade. So moved to Central Kentucky and that's been my home since then. Um, And I grew up dance was kind of always we we did move several times but dance was always kind of a a staple or that one thing that i always had no matter where we moved so i grew up in the dance studio all the time and in high school i you know i was thinking okay what do i want to do with my life and i just as a senior in high school i could not imagine myself not dancing or dance not having a role in my life so i went to western kentucky university they at the time, they were the only um, only school in the state that had a bachelor's degree in dance. Now, I think Northern um, has one as well. But so I went to Western Kentucky and I have a BA in dance and a minor in performing arts management, which is essentially a business degree, but tailored to the performing arts. So we had some nonprofit classes, things like that. But I, I, I also took all the business classes as well. So um and i I went to DC after graduation. I went and lived in DC for a little over a year, and I, I did a lot of things. I was a live in nanny uh, was my main role during the day. And then I danced for two professional companies, a jazz company and a modern company in the in the DC area. And I also taught at a studio. So I was very busy in DC and then just um, I knew I needed to come home. I, I felt like I needed to come back to Kentucky. And did a few odd jobs here and there, just trying to find my way and figure out what I wanted to do for my day job, because as a, as a professional dancer, you just, it doesn't pay the bills and, and make the rent, so you do have to have a day job. Um, so I kind of bounced around, worked for an association, um, the Magistrates and Commissioners Association. I did a little work with, the, with Franklin County Public Schools in the payroll department. I worked for the Cabinet for Economic Development. All very brief stints, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I liked, and then this job came came open um and i a mutual friend of mine and Brian said that I should apply, and I would you know do well in the role so I applied and interviewed not really not really expecting to get the job and Brian called me and offered me the job and and here we are it's I've been working here for about three years now, and I love what we do i it's we have seasons of busy time like next week is our big conference our winter training school is next week and pre-covid we had we hosted between seven and eight hundred people at this conference um this year we're about 475 so we're lucky to be to have those kinds of numbers again this year um but it's so we've said it's definitely not a record year but coming off of our conference in 2021, we had about 100 or so people in person. So we're definitely feeling very thankful to be back up closer to 500.
0: Yeah, trending back in the right direction. So yeah. um, while well, you transitioned so well straight to the next question, which is, you know, what you hit on, that you've been there since 2018 and you really got the, you know, got the position through basically just connections that you had. And one of the yeah. questions, I was curious, did, did, was there a marketing director prior to you or did he kind of create the position or
1: there was um, it's always been a three person office. Got it. Well, I think for, for the, for a long time, I think they brought on Brian initially. So Brian served as the um, kind of engineer, Consultant, such, So, but he was brought on full-time by the staff to be the engineer kind of liaison, technical liaison for the association, because the executive director before Brian did not have a technical background. So gotcha. then when Brian became the executive director, he kept that role as um, the technical expert and engineer, and they decided the need for the association was a, the marketing piece. So yep. they decided to hire a marketing director, um, and I think there were two previous marketing directors before I started. So it's not been, it. I think before me, they had a marketing director for maybe seven, eight years and um, had two people in that role before I started.
0: Got it. Yeah. And I remember you guys are still in that really cool building.
1: Yes. Downtown, we're in old train depot Frankfurt. in Frankfurt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember going there. I was like, man, it's right up. All right. I mean, it's I love as I've gotten older, I've realized how much I just love old stuff like i mean just i i I joke all the time if i ever make enough money to just do something purely for fun i'd probably own a antique store just because i love yeah oh you know old stuff that was made the way it used to be made that building's one of those things
1: it is it is definitely old and i think the basement (laughs) has a lot of creepy critter crawlers and oh yeah i have never been in the basement they say that i need to go down there and just experience it but i have avoided that thus far (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, you never know in the, in those old buildings. So, yes. so you started transitioning. So, let's move. I, you know, tell me about you guys are a, a fairly unique. I mean, obviously, associations are good clients for folks in our business. Um, you know, because of what you alluded to. I mean, they're they're doing events um, consistently most of the time, at least pre-COVID, and uh, it's coming back as you alluded to, uh, slowly but surely. Seems like things are heading in the right direction here, which is good um, as far as you know that goes. But and obviously with a lot of attendees and stuff becomes, you know, there's need for the things that we do. Um, but I'm always interested to understand, you know, the association and and the things that they do, the things they advocate for. So tell me a little bit about the history of Packy and, you know, just, you know, how long has it been around and, and just yeah. primarily, you know, the, the, the functions that you guys have.
1: Yeah, so we. We are an association. We were established in 1938. So I think this is year 84, something. Wow. if my math is correct. Um, and basically, when, when asphalt roads were starting to be constructed around the state, the State Department felt that there was a need for an association to represent all of the various interests of the asphalt paving contractors across the state. So we we serve as kind of the voice of our members, our contractor members or producer members, we call them, are they own and operate a plant, an asphalt plant. Um, so that's why the plant mix name is specific yep. to our members. So um, to clarify
0: that really quick, not to interrupt you, but to clarify that, no. that means that there's probably companies around the state that for lack of put asphalt down that don't actually have their own plant. Your members all have plants. Okay.
1: Correct. We have, we have over 25, we have about 25 producer members and there are over 140 asphalt plants that serve all 120 counties. And they, those are our members. So the 25 members own all the asphalt plants in the state um, and serve all the counties. So, but yes, you are correct. There are, asphalt contractors that don't have a plant that are not our members specifically.
0: Got it. So that's a tight, subset. I mean, you're, you're, so your primary member membership being 25. I mean, that's a tight knit group.
1: It is for the producer members, but we also yep. have a, another subset of membership. It's our liquid, liquid suppliers, um, associate members. So the liquid suppliers provide the liquid asphalt to our plant
0: operators. Okay.
1: We have associate members that provide the machinery and the equipment. And then we have affiliate members who work with the asphalt contractors. And we have about 65 total of those three membership types. So that's who make up our membership. Um, And, but our main objective is we, we represent the asphalt contractors in terms of legislative lobbying work. We, we are the voice of their needs when it comes to legislature um, we also provide training and opportunities for learning and, and different things. So that's what our conference is next week. It's our winter training school, and it's three days of of training. And we, we provide, it's about 12 um, professional development hours for the engineers and just overall general training to the industry. Is that um, something
0: that the engineers have to have, like ongoing education, kind of like accountants yes. and other professionals? Okay.
1: Yes, it's self-reported. Um, so, but yeah, the Engineers Association kind of helps them keep track of their hours. They, I'm not sure how many they have to have per year, but they do have to have continuing education credits throughout the year every year. Um, so we help provide those to them through these trainings that we have. Um, we also, um, we also work on just. <sighs> just helping the industry you know kind of come together and doing business in the best possible way for the association or for the state of Kentucky and and taxpayers and that sort of thing we also have a relationship with the Kentucky transportation cabinet so we are kind of the liaison between the Kentucky transportation cabinet and also all of our members so we our main job is liaison so that's kind of like
0: a best practices kind of a thing like you yes. guys kind of like work for okay
1: yes so that's that is thats role for our associate members, our job is to connect them with our membership. So we, our members, you you know, you pay to be part of our, our association and that gets you access to our, our members. You, most of the time they are introduced through the trainings. We'll have a trade show, that sort of thing. We provide, you know, the contact information for our producer members, but Most of the time, companies that aren't members of the association don't have a member, don't have a relationship with our producer members. It's kind of they they come through us and that's how they get a relationship with producer members to help sell equipment and things like that.
0: Got it. And I guess you could make an argument that we would be a potential associate member, you know, because all those all those producer members and other members, you know, use the type of stuff that everything even when you touch on like safety gear and things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those. Yeah. Those kind of things would be considered, you know, products for the, for the producer members. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about like, uh, you know, everything that's a lot of the people that I've talked to obviously have been impacted, um, with COVID and everything that's happened over the last years. How has that all impacted Packy? Um, I mean, you mentioned, I know you mentioned attendance being down at the events, but I'm curious if there are yeah. other impacts.
1: Well, we, our members themselves, since most of the work is during the summer, outside work, our members have been fairly unaffected when it comes to to work, um, just because they can do it safely, distance, they're outdoors, um, and then in the winter months, our asphalt contractors they shut down. We can't you can't lay asphalt once the once the temperature gets below a certain threshold, um, so they they stop work in the winter months when you know things are spiking as of right now. So um, for our members' sake, it has been they've they've operated almost business as usual. They've had they've done safety precautions and they've been more aware and been better about, you know, cleaning and sanitizing between shifts and things like that. That definitely had to they had to make changes on that end, but for operation purposes, they've pretty much remained operational. Our associate members I think have been the most affected just because they haven't been able to get out and get to all of these trade shows and events where they normally get to interact with the
0: producer to build relationships with those members. Yeah.
1: So I think they've been affected the most. um, And they are very enthusiastic about finally getting into places and seeing and seeing people again. Um, So I think that effect the whole, the complete shutdown affected them the most yeah from our day to day operations. I work from home. Brian worked from home and then Sherry maintained her presence in the office just because she she deals with more paper files and mail yeah. and things that come in. But Brian and I operated completely at home. Um, and we pretty, I mean, through the pandemic, we hosted several online, large online webinars and meetings. We hosted a winter training school that was a hybrid meeting. We had about 100 people in person and about 400 people online. We hosted a summer meeting. I mean, and did all of these things remotely from each other. So yeah. we kept rolling. You know, the connectivity of of Zoom and phone calls and things kept us rolling pretty much as 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 is.
0: Yeah. No, it's, uh, that makes sense. I mean, you know, a lot of the value, at least from that those other concentric circles of membership, for lack of a better way to say it, is going to be those relational interactions that they get to have by virtue yeah. of some of these events and and you know, virtual events were serviceable uh, alternative during that time. But it, you know, it's like I've said many times, I mean, you, you can't, it's hard to do those one-off interact. You can't really do them in a virtual yeah. environment. Yeah. So, so the fact that that stuff's coming back is going to, you know, sort of breathe more energy back into that value of getting people back into where they can build relationships. And
1: yeah, I think it re-energizes, it re-energizes our members and our membership, um, and makes them appreciate kind of being able to be in person and, and yeah. see people.
0: So tell me about the industry in general. Like, um, as a matter of fact, I think I remember having kind of a conversation with Brian about this a while back, but just, you know, the asphalt industry in general. I mean, what's the what's it just give me a state of the industry, if you will, as best you can.
1: Um. Yeah, our industry very much depends on funding Um the the road fund. We're continually I mean, I think this is the main goal legislative legislatively for I don't know. Several, several years now has been increasing, for lack of a better word, the gas tax. People get scared when you say a tax. Uh-huh. Um, but we like to think of, we're trying to create, we're trying to change the language to more, to call it infrastructure funding, because that's what it is. It's not, it's it's a usage fee or a usage tax um, for using the road, for using the bridges, for using these things that are provided to you. you. I mean, you have to pay to use them, um, or to maintain them. And so it's, it is frustrating. Our members get frustrated when they hear the general public complaining about the state of the roads or the, the state of, of things and the speed of construction and how it's not moving fast enough. But if we don't have the money to do it or the money to hire the people to do the jobs, that's where we are kind of, our hands are tied. Um, so it's, it's definitely trying to change the perception of, a tax and that having that negative connotation of, but you would get to actually see the benefits of this tax in your day-to-day lives by having better road conditions, quicker construction pace. So because we can hire more people to finish the work faster. Um, So that's been our main goal every year with the legislative session is the, is the infrastructure funding just because our people can't work if there's not money to provide the, to, to have the work happen.
0: So the way that just a very quick breakdown, the way that it works generally speaking and uh, you can tell me is like you know you're paying a, a you're paying a fee or a tax or embedded in your tank of gas I guess is some money that gets funneled to the state and the state then basically allocates those funds to, to road project. projects around the state. Yes. that get bid and then awarded to contractors around the state.
1: Correct. Yes. Got it. Yes. So that's that is the general the general breakdown of it. Um and that's kind of the main focus, which dovetails into our next focus is the workforce development aspect of that and and being and that's kind of where my job kind of comes into play is if we get the funding that we need, then we're gonna need to find the people to make these jobs happen. Uh-huh. So we're working on several workforce development efforts trying to get Get our foot in the door in in high schools, in um, you know the the CTC, the career tech colleges around the state, and put them in in jobs with our producer members and our companies, so that work can be done and and they can move move and get these projects moving.
0: Yeah, workforce. I know. Um, I'm in a Vistage group with a lot of business owners, and just across the board, I know finding people is very
1: it's it's very crazy. difficult. Yeah. I it's it's, think where everybody went, like, you know,
0: Yeah, I know, I know it is. It's almost hard to understand. I mean, it's hard to wrap your yeah. head around. It's like, um, all right. So that's, you know, I want to transition then into kind of just talking about um, maybe the Packy brand mm-hmm. and just the things we'll start dovetailing into like the things that you do and how we kind of help with that. So, yeah. you know, um, a question that I, I ask a lot is, you know, how would you define the Packy brand? Um, and I don't mean that I've noticed that sometimes when I ask that people get a little bit like, like, almost like I'm looking for a very polished answer, but yeah, you know, and, and, and I know we've hit on it and it's different <laughs> for like an association, but like, how would you define kind of like, if someone asked you like, Hey, define the, the packy brand for me, like what, how would you answer that? And, and it just in your own words?
1: Yeah. Well, it doesn't, ha- well, I would say ours is twofold. Um, and we have a marketing committee. So as an association, we have several, we have five standing committees and marketing is one of those pieces and it's made up of our members. So it's made up of a mix of both the producer members and the associate members. And we try to get together two times a year or so just to have a kind of, okay, what's our focus? What do we need to look at? What do we need to improve upon? Those sorts of things. So in those discussions, we have determined that PACI itself has two focuses when it comes to marketing. We have we have an association focus, so that we and we use the you know our packy logo for that. It says it has big bold P A K P A I K Y Plant with Asphalt Industry, of Kentucky. That focuses on the associations. Um, what the association can do. So it's the legislative piece. It's the, the lunch and learn piece. We get together with, we try to pull together engineer consultants, engineering firms and consultants and do lunch and learns on, on parking lot demonstrations, on you know best practices for asphalt paving. We host lunch and learns with those different groups. And so that is something that the association provides as a service. Our other kind of portion to that is the product, which is asphalt. So, one thing that our marketing group wanted us to focus on was promoting the product to certain groups. So, that would be um, county officials, magistrates, commissioners, um, the, you know, KYTC, the, the transportation people, those, the people that we are wanting to bid projects to and to, to you know, basically pick asphalt over other
0: places. So that's, directions. let me pause you for a second. So that's really yeah. interesting to me. So this is kind of like, and I'm just trying to reflect and kind of associate to make sure I'm understanding. So it feels kind of very like got milk or like different things that associations have have done.
1: Yeah. Campaigns yeah, so around.
0: Uh, yeah. And and so it's interesting to me though, that so there are projects that you, c- I know this may sound really stupid for me to say this, so forgive me. But like, you know, you I guess a guy like me, you tend to look out there and go like, it's obvious what needs asphalt, but you're saying, no, there are situations where there could be multiple materials chosen. Yes.
1: Yes. yes. So there, I mean, we, we are constantly, I mean, most jobs could have a concrete alternate, could have some, some um, preventative maintenance alternates and could have some asphalt alternate. So it could be, it could go either way on certain jobs. Um, And obviously as the plant makes asphalt, we want it all to be asphalt. That's kind of <laughs> that that would be our goal. Sure. And that doesn't always happen. And that's that's fine. But so we do have groups of people that we want to promote the product to. So a couple of years ago, we worked with a a marketing firm to develop our asphalt logo. So it has asphalt and it's kind of it mirrors the packy logo, and there's some similarities between them. And it it does have packy underneath it. So but we use when yeah, we're we did looking at the hats with it. Yeah. So when we're looking at Products and putting our logo on things and how we're going to market it. We have to first ask, okay, what is wh- which group is this? Is this a group that's going to be picking, you know, payment type selectors, or is this a group that wants services from the association, lunch and learns, educational opportunities, or do they just are we just saying yeah, who's the audience for the product? Essentially, yeah, right so yeah. so that's kind of how when I'm doing anything and and looking at branding our items, I think I have to think about who the audience is because our marketing committee made it very clear to me that it, there are two, it's two different things. And I agree because when we go to certain places, like this past week, we were at the, the judges conference. Um, and, and for the judges, we want them to, when they're looking at money for, for roads, we want them to pick asphalt. So we used our asphalt logo on everything that we do and we're there. So, versus they don't care what who packy is they care about the products so that's kind of how we how we justify where our branding goes i hope that answered your question <laughs>
0: it does no it's good i mean i'm you know it's 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 educational for me and i and i think um you know very consistent with what we hope to do which is to make sure that you know when we're working with customers we understand i mean all of us including us they have to have a good understanding of what our value proposition is, what you know, kind of how we define our brand, but then who's you know, who are our audiences so that you know how to communicate to them, yeah. And, um, yeah, no, it's 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 good. Um, and so, so for
1: next week, for example, like we are doing, we're using both because it's our association is hosting this conference about asphalt and all the training. So we have a we're using a mix of both the logos on our products. So that's kind of our members get a mix of both, and then we. We separate yeah. versus who our audience is as well.
0: So I'm curious, what are what are some of the um, challenges that you guys have to continue to? I mean, you know, it's the right way to say it, but to continue to grow the association, like, um, and maybe that's more of an industry question. I mean, does the industry? Do you guys see the industry continuing to grow into the future? Does it stagnate? Does it does it get smaller? Um, I know we talked about you know tax revenue, but at the end of the right. day, as far as the need, I mean, it seems like there's tons of need. Uh, There
1: is Yes, I think there is tons of need. And I think, I think our next focus I mentioned is the workforce development. And I think that that's going to, that plays a huge role for our members. And they've, they've spoken, they've told us that we, that needs to be our next focus, um, is how we create pathways from high schools and tech colleges and things directly into our producer members um, for, for work and, so does that mean
0: developing curriculum? I mean, are we talking like yeah, there are yes. like
1: So that's fine. So that
0: like I'm in Old- I'm in Oldham County for example. Yeah. The, Ar- the Arvin center there. So like, I mean, theoretically, I mean, there'd be a program for this specifically yes. to learn how to do it really. Go ahead, Yes.
1: So we so we are working we have an iBuild America platform and iBuild America is it's an it's an overall construction industry platform, so it's not specific to asphalt. But we are one of the partners in this program, and Ohio has one. And they actually took this program and they created a MAC Tech curriculum, and they got it approved by the Ohio Board of Education. Um, and it's MAC Tech stands for mining, asphalt, um, concrete, and construction. It's just an acronym for that, and they have a curriculum. It's like 80 hours that they're implementing into high school career and tech programs that give them. So when they go through this program, they get a certificate of completion. And then those people with that certificate, they have an agreement with producer members and, and members of Ohio, you know, associations that they will be the first to be interviewed and, um, looked at for jobs. They're not guaranteed a job, obviously, but sure. they're going to be the first on the list. So we in Kentucky, our board of education, we've learned a lot in the last few months of how our board of education works and what requirements we need and all of that. And I think our plan is to go with a, our tech schools have what's called um, a pathway and they're they are five credits or five classes And we can piggyback off of some of the classes that they've already have. So specifically, we're located in Frankfurt. So we're working with the Frankfurt um, Career and Tech Center, the Franklin County Career and Tech Center. And they already have an engineering pathway, a construction pathway. They have a mechanic, mechanic, and they want to add diesel mechanics to that. So they have about five pathways already created. And we can piggyback off of some of the classes already provided and create our own construction industry pathway. And then those people would get a certificate and be, and we would have an agreement to be um, placed or, or interviewed first for, for jobs. So we are, that's funny that you mentioned that we are working on a curriculum and what that looks like. And with the Kentucky Board of Education, you have to have kind of a, um, a starter, or a, what do they call it, You you have to have someone that you do it with first. It's a kind of a test run, a trial run. And once they approve that, so you you do it with them first. And once they approve it in one school, it's super easy to kind of like
0: a beta group or something.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, And then they can replicate it across the state as long as they have, you know, a standing career tech school because it will take space and equipment and things to be able to Yeah.
0: So Arvin Center is exactly the type of place where that would take place in in Oldham County. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so, it would replicate in places like that, but then we would have to do a little work in, in some other smaller areas that don't have a tech school. So that's, it's kind of finding that balancing act of getting it started in places that already have the infrastructure in place. And then the next piece would be, okay, how do we create that for places that don't have that access?
0: That's really interesting to me because, you know, I guess if I'm being honest, there's a part of me that thought like that doesn't already exist, you know. But then again, it's very specialized. And so um, and probably a lot of people find their way into that specific industry by way of, I don't know, construction or, you know, something that that we all are familiar with or whatever. Yeah, Um, it's
1: very like the asphalt industry specifically is kind of a niche organization where, uh, you know, you don't think of when you think of construction or are introduced to construction in general. You think of, a lot of people think of, you know, home builders, vertical construction. Yeah. Um, you don't put that, put road builders into that category a lot. Of or
0: you people. don't put infrastructure companies in. Like, you know, I know yeah. there are some com- companies that really specialize everything from the ground below, you yeah. know, and that's another, that's another, yeah, that's, you know, part of the construction the rock, space. That, the, yeah, yeah. The,
1: the base, the base work to that. And they very much play the, because we share a building with the Kentucky Crushstone Association. So they provide they're essentially kind of members of ours associate members because his members provide the rock that our members need to not only make the road beds, but then, I mean, there's rock in asphalt. You you have oh, a yeah. mixture of of different things. So his members provide the rock and materials to our members to then create the road. So, and we also share highway contractors is downstairs and they are kind of all encompassing of, all of the people and things that make up heavy highway construction, bridge, concrete, they, he has them all. (laughs) We just get the asphalt people.
0: Tell me, um, what are some of the most, what are some of your favorite things that we've done for you, uh, for some of these audiences and what are some of the most successful? And they may very well be the same things or maybe not, but I'm just, you know, yeah, give me that.
1: So my favorite, we have a group and this is another aspect of it. I feel like we have like five, thousand little marketing subsets with uh, underneath us but nationally we have there's a a a group it's called women of asphalt um
0: i remember those those tumblers Yeah,
1: yes that is my favorite thing i'm actually have my water in it right now so um women of asphalt is a national uh, group it's was based it was it was started by um about five women kind of spanning across the uh, the state or the the United States that wanted to put an emphasis on women in the industry about recruiting women about retaining women about creating a community where yes you may be the only woman on your paving crew or in your office but guess what there's there's 10 others across the state that do the same thing as you let's connect you together and create this community of women of asphalt. So it's grown tremendously. I think it's been around. I think they got started the year before I started. So in four years, they have a national association and then um, there's like 18 state branches. So 18 states have now adopted their own branch. And we are, Kentucky has one. And some of my favorite things that you all have done or we have gotten done through you all are giveaways that we have done for women of asphalt. We did a Nalgene tumbler, like a water bottle. We did, um, it's a white tumbler with the Women of Asphalt logo. It's my favorite thing. We get compliments on it. People carry it everywhere. Um, it's it fits in your hand really nicely. It's not too big. The, it's like kind of a, got a glossy look to it, um, and the logo looks beautiful on it because the logo is like pink and yellow, or pink and orange and black. And so on that white tumbler, it looks beautiful on it. Uh, we also did the EOS. EOS lip balms for yeah. a, for a luncheon. And we put like smooth as asphalt on those. Um, so that was for a women of asphalt luncheon. So, and I now, think, do
0: all the women of asphalt that have gotten this stuff like it, like those things as much yes, as you.
1: Yes. I, I mean, that's I'll tell what, you right I,
0: now, I, one, I will say one of the hardest things in our business is to, is to make women happy with the things that we do, not because they're hard to please, but because typically they just haven't, our industry hasn't done a good job of targeting making right. sure that they they did things that like targeted women and so it's it's gratifying to hear that we did
1: no and i think part of that is for the women of asphalt stuff specifically we do have men involved in that but there are more women and brian kind of lets me you know roll with it. he like whatever you like whatever you like so obviously i'm going to like it and my taste is often you know replicate you know other women like the same things that I like so it it works when the things that I pick and stuff that we do for our general so our general membership is more kind of Brian speed he's into the pocket knives and he's into the the um I don't know utility knives and and things like that which aren't really my jam but they also have a place and I think the guys and the men do really like those things and we get compliments on, on that. And Brian, he calls himself a brand snob. He is all about the, you know, the brands and you guys all also have wonderful partnerships with, with a lot of high-end brands that, that go, that are people, Cutter and Buck, we got a knife a speaker gift from Cutter and Buck with our logos and stuff on it. Lots of compliments, lots of like, man, this is really nice. When they, when we gave it to them, they were shocked and, and, and happy to get a gift like that. Like most people get kind of, I won't say you know cheap stuff, but that's sometimes what all you have in your budget. And and I, I'm thankful that, you know, we're able to find some some really nice name brand products through you all.
0: Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I'll tell you it's funny. There's a big I guess the way that I described it, there's a big merger I think going on between where retail is merging with our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that people are I think are are a lot of people, not not everyone, but a lot of people are trending where they can and to your point where budget allows. To buying uh, fewer items, nicer brands they recognize. In other words, there used to be kind of like our space, and then you bought everything that you personally liked at retail. And those things are merging to where people are coming to us, and they're like, you know, I bought this thing for myself personally at retail, and I want to do it as a gift for my clients, you know. And yeah. It, yeah. Um, so, like uh, the Ember mug, I don't know if, if you've seen that, but there's a competitor. So it's like the it's like the mug that you you charge. And then you can set a temperature and it'll keep your coffee at a certain temperature all day. And um, it's a really cool app. They're very expensive. There's a competitive brand to that called Muggo. And we did several orders of these Mugo. But it's just another example of where the retail brands are really coming on strong in our industry. They've been there for a while, but people are more and more asking for them these days. Um, yeah. We're getting close to being up against time, and I don't uh, I don't want to take up more than I promised. But the last question I always like to ask, and, and we've hit on some of this, but just tell me um, – you know, as quickly as you'd like or whatever, you know, what we always want to get better. And, you know, so it's always good for us to know, like, what do we do? Well, you've alluded to some of those things, but even more important, I think sometimes is for us to know where, where can we improve? You know, what is it? Where's an area that you're like, man, I'll be honest, like you guys do a great job. But if you, if you could improve this, you would be even better.
1: Hmm. Well, and I've said before, you all have made my, you've made my life easier over the last three years um, because I work with Brett specifically on all the projects, but I tell Brett, you know, Hey, this is what we're doing. Show me some stuff. And he sends me three, four five options within each category. And I can kind of go and pick. And, and a lot of the times I, I like how I, you know, with time alludes, sometimes I, sometimes I tell Brett I need things really quickly and he's like, Oh my gosh, Aaron, I'm going to kill you. He never says that to me, but I know I can sense. it. he's like, well, Aaron, I wish you would have told me earlier. <laughs> it's my fault. But I like how we get samples of things and I can actually like physically look at things because you just never know how something's going to come out when you see it on a computer screen. So I really enjoy getting the samples of things and being able to see it in person, actually feel things like we didn't have a chance to get a sample of the notebook we just ordered for winter school. But I, he, Brett said it was fantastic. No problems. I was like, great. I trust you. Fine. It came in and the cover of it feels like I have never felt a notebook that felt that kind of like buttery soft. I was like, Brett, this is fantastic. I love this. So I like getting samples and seeing things. Um, I think sometimes for improvement purposes, and this is, you know, maybe I need to be give clearer directions. Sometimes we get stuck on trying to hit a theme for certain events and we get limited because we're trying to, you know, theme, you know, go on a theme. And sometimes mm-hmm. we just need random stuff like uh, it's, it's yeah
0: cool stuff it's a basically. trade show just, yeah. yeah just
1: cool stuff whatever the newest coolest thing is like yeah. i think our last trade show was i think part of it was i was on maternity leave so brian tried to take over so that was like issue number one now I, I give him a hard time but he was trying to get a list of things for trade shows and and brett was trying to come up with some stuff and it wasn't really hitting the mark and and i was like brett just tell me what kind of cool stuff you have and so then brett sent like Bone sanitizers and metal straws and and all kinds of just like, honestly, it looks random, but that's the kind of stuff we need for trade shows because people really don't care theme wise. They just want cool goodies like they just want. We just want when it comes to trade shows, we care less about a specific theme and more about making sure someone's not going to throw it in the trash after they leave, like that they will actually yeah. use it. And then when they do use it, they see our logo, they see our brand on it. And it reminds them of seeing us and meeting us at the trade show. So it doesn't have to do with, I think sometimes we get caught up in the like construction, asphalt, roads, trying to do something in that theme or in that vein. And sometimes we just need a metal straw. And that's what we did Like at the last trade show. I think we had, Like phone sanitizers, I use mine all the time just to even clean makeup off of my phone. And it has asphalt all across the top. It went over really well. People loved it. Because you just, phones are gross when you really think about it. So people really love that. The metal straws are kind of big right now. Everyone's kind of moving to the, you know, the reusable cups, Yeti cups with the metal straws. So like, has nothing to do with asphalt. But it does have our logo on it and they're going to see it and they're going to remember us. So that's kind of, I think, sometimes we get stuck on a theme and we just need cool stuff. Like whatever's com- whatever's hot hot items right now.
0: You, you're really, I really appreciate you saying that because, um, and I don't know, I apologize that I don't know this, but have you joined any of our partner series? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you I was, have. I, I,
1: um, I think I did, there was like the Nike North Face one. I, I, yeah, I did, I did Sandbar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I only bring that up to say, that one of the things that I'm realizing is, and, and I think the partner series has been something that we did. Some of the reason we did that was practical, uh, kind of like the way you moved to virtual events right, with COVID. Yeah. We needed needed to come up with a way to stay engaged with customers. And, and we did that about a year and a half ago or so. And we've just gotten really good feedback on it. I mean, I say that's very successful, not because I think we're great or anything. It's it's because yeah. that's what customers have told us is that yeah, they like no, it. I, I agree.
1: And, and I, I sent Brian, and, I was taking pictures of things and sent Brian stuff because some of the stuff, it was on the higher end purchase wise, but it would be good like speaker gifts. Like we typically do a, a nice speaker gift or board board gifts or things like that. So we have kind of a yep. small subset that we do nicer gifts for.
0: And so what we found is, you know, we've really gone. I, I, I love our brand. I love the ways that we communicate our brand. But one of the things that we're going to start shifting is I think maybe in some cases, you know, matter of fact, right behind me. I can't see it because our video is off because we're having some Internet trouble, but it says curation over catalogs. And that's very much who we are at our core. We're curators at our core. And that's who we're looking for. And what's really cool is that you you mentioned a second ago. Hey, I love the fact that you guys send samples. But you know what? In this case, we couldn't get a sample. But Brett said it was awesome and it showed up and it was awesome. And what that does is it confirms for me that we have people that they have an eye for quality. And I think that's true within our company. We have an eye for quality products, we have an eye for quality people, and we have an eye for quality partners. And so where we're moving is we find that there are more and more people, I think, that are in your situation where we originally thought, you know, people don't want to look through catalogs, and they don't. They need us to pick the items for them. Yeah. And that happens sometimes. But then on in other situations, they don't mind looking because they really don't know what they're looking for. What they right. need us to do more so than curate the product is they need us to curate the partner so that when they go look, they're looking at a, a company that's reputable that that we can say they have quality product that can turn it around quickly. In other words, I don't mind going to look. I'll know it when I see it, but get me to a place that, right. you're, that you're vouching for. And then finally, you know, we talk about curating people, which is that's the, that's the partner series where we're picking people that are going to be engaging, that you're going to enjoy being on with. So, Anyway, in other words, it's just shifting away from maybe locking ourselves in, honestly, because you say sometimes we get locked in on a theme. And I think that's true because I think our brand has been so much, hey, we don't ever want you to look through a catalog. And what we're realizing is that sometimes clients don't mind that as long as we get them to the right catalog. Right. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I don't have time to, you know, sift through hundreds of pages of like hot items. But if you point to me, you know, five, six, seven, and then it kind of spurs a search like, I'm good with that because you have now verified that these are good quality products that you would recommend. And that right. that to me can start a whole lot and means a lot more than um, trying to stay on a theme or anything like that. And, yep. and I think with Brett specifically, he he always he always is familiar with the products. And if he isn't specifically familiar, that's when he does make sure to send me a sample. Like he's like, yep. honestly, we've never had anyone use this. But I'm going to send you a sample. You let me know. Or if you can't get a sample in, he'll tell me, I've I've seen this. I've touched this. I have done stuff with this. They are a good company. So it's it's one or the other. Like, he's yep. like, let's, let's test them out first and see. Or I can tell from you from experience, it's going to be good. So yep. and I appreciate both of those things.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, well, hey, we're we're up against it. I want to wrap up. Um, like I said, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Please pass along my thanks to Brian. I know that I've sent him emails, but um, we we love working with you guys, and we appreciate all that you send us. And um, so again, those those listening, um, you know, Aaron Gibbs, marketing director with the Plant Mix Asphalt Industry of Kentucky. I said that right, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you want to learn more, it's packy and it's so that's paik dot org. And you can you could check out a lot of the things that they're doing um, and uh, and learn more about. Them. So, um, hey, like I said, thanks again and uh, hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you.